do a little bit about the parsha today. We have a little more time at the end because I have to have to go down the minchah a little bit of a restriction here. Uh, but if we have a little time, I want to just go over because the the, the parsha, the beginning of the parsha, talks about the service of Yom Kippur. So basically, gives us the order. Um, and you know, on Yom Kippur, one of the um, prayers after the Musaf, in the Musaf, they put in the Avoida, Seder Avoida. Avoida is based upon the verses in this passage. That was the service that the Kohen Gadol did on Yom Kippur. Uh, the, um, uh, the, 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 the Parsha begins with saying that uh, Aaron is not to enter at any time that he wishes to the Holy of Holiness. So, you know, Within the uh, Mishkan or the Beis Hamikdash, uh, there were come on in. Uh, within the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash, there were several sections, you know, which were uh, various levels, higher levels as far as the holiness. In some some places, uh, you know, only uh, it's in there. Mommy uh, has it. Some places. In some places, um, only Kohanim were allowed to be. Uh, there's a certain area which even Israelites or non-Kohanim can be. Uh, so there were uh, sections. Uh, there was the women's section, Ezra's Noshim. And then within the structure of the Mishkan itself, you had the Oyal Moyet, that was the tent of meeting. And then you had inside, which was the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that was the Holy of Holiness. Now inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in there, the only things that was there was the ark, the aron. The aron had the kapoiris that had the cover, the lid. On the lid there were the two cherubs, the krubim, and the sticks that were in there. And um, that were the, that's war, that was behind the curtain. Uh, that were where the voice of Hashem came to Moshe all the time. Hashem speaks to him from the tent of meeting. And outside of there, was the rest of the Mishkan outside of the curtain, which means in the outer part. Uh, over there was the Shulchan, the table, the menorah, the uh, the, uh, the the Mizbah HaKetoris, that was the altar in which they brought the incense. That was on the outside of the Ohemot. Then you had the courtyard, that was even outside. Over there stood the big Mizbeach, the big altar in which they would bring all the offerings, the sacrifices. So. In this parsha, you read all about the various different, they were basically on Yom Kippur, one of the things they did was, one of the things they did, one of the things they did was they actually were sanctifying again the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash. The, the idea is that uh, when a person is not pure, when he's not clean, sp- spiritually not clean, uh, one is not allowed to go in or touch or go into the base Amikdosh or to the general area of the sanctuary. Even the place where the Israelites were allowed to go. But if they weren't pure, they weren't allowed to go over there. So you have to stay out. But sometimes people are inadvertently enter because they don't know or they didn't get, they didn't, they didn't figure out, whatever the case is. So they might inadvertently, by mistake, enter into the uh, Mishkan, into the that's one thing. And also, there's another thing about consuming... Hi. There's another thing about consuming food, which is considered consecrated food. That is like uh, from a korban. The, 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 sometimes parts of it are eaten by the Kohanim. Sometimes they're eaten by uh, the uh, ordinary, the Israelites. 
there eat. So the the law is that you can't eat those meats when you're uh, when you're impure, when you're not tahor. But sometimes people inadvertently maybe they don't know that they're not they're, they're not tahor. Maybe they don't know they're not clean. They don't know. So they, by inadvertently they may make a mistake. And they may either enter to the Holy of Holiness, so far away. Yeah, or <laughs> we're saving it. Or, or they need, or they need, or they. Um, so if they do it inadvertently, or they they, 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 they eat kodesh, or they go in, so there's an atonement needed. A lot of it that took place on Yom Kippur was the purification of the holy of the code of the Mesabikdosh, the Mishkan, and. Uh, an atonement for eating foods while you weren't clean. Now, that's not only, it's, it's amazing how much uh, the Torah devotes to this part. I mean, it's something to think about because like all the korbanot that we bring uh, on, the, on the festivals, for example, on, on, on every festival, uh, if you see, when you say in the services, you say you bring soir lechapir, you bring a goat as an atonement. Atonement for what? An atonement for entering into the Beis HaMikdash on, knowingly, unbeknown to you while you were impure uh, or eating kachim. And there's so many various different uh, possibilities that each one forgives. I'm not going through. Rashi in the Gemara explains what each one exactly does. Some of them forgive if you totally forgot. Some of them forgive if you remembered and later forgot. Some of them... It's just all kinds of different combinations. So each korban, each sacrifice comes to come for something. I mean, which it tells me, this is a by-the-way thing, it says to us something, that number one, when you're going into a holy place, you must be at that level. So on one hand, you would think that, you know, you can't just, uh, you know, enter into the base Hamikdash at any state. You, know, you have to have the reverence. You have to be of a, of a spiritual level so that you can actually be worthy of entering there. But yet you see that the Torah provides all kinds of atonements for that because the Torah realizes that a person cannot always achieve, I mean, whether knowingly or even unknowingly or even knowingly to some extent, a person cannot always achieve. It's not something for a person to stay away from the Mishkan and the Torah will atone for that also, which, which the counterpart to this is we know, like, it says when you study Torah. So sometimes a person can study Torah for the wrong reasons. Uh, if you're studying Torah to be argumentative, or you want to be a show-off, or you want to use that in a negative way, sometimes people want to use it. So that's not that's like going into the Beis Hamikdash. Well, you're not clean because you're learning Torah, you're learning Hashem's Torah, but then your your reasoning or your uh, motivation may be totally wrong. But yet the Talmud says. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't study Torah. You should still study Torah, even for the wrong reasons. Because eventually, the power of Torah will sort of turn you around. So, don't stop. Of course, try to learn or try to do the mitzvahs with the proper kavana, with the right things. But don't stop if you think that you don't have the right kavana. If you don't think you have the right motivation, don't stop. Keep on doing. Yeah? Avoda? Avoda. Well, I don't know. This, that's a very strong thing, but probably sometimes it could. You had, you have people that not a, but sometimes 
people just are trying to learn Torah to try to find fault or try to use that against the Torah, against Yiddishkeit. They just want to become scholarly. They just want to look. They, they, they're missing out, you know, the wholeness of Torah. I'm not sure exactly if you mean Avodazar, Avodazar, but it's really totally negative. And you have, uh, matter of fact, uh, there is a word, a Hebrew word, for Herod, it was called a Mapikoris. And um, the previous Rebbe actually characterized this very well. He says, an Apikoris means somebody who studied Torah, is knowledgeable in Torah, and yet denies it. But he was saying, you can't become an Apikoris if you don't know the first thing about Torah in the first place. And what he was trying to say is, some of these people today, they think they're Apikoris, but they're not Apikoris because they have no knowledge of the Torah in the first place, so they can't really deny it. It doesn't make, that's just, they're just talking you know, out of their hats, but they're not. Yes? Is he talking about just men or many and women? Men and women, saying what's the difference with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. But the point, what I wanted is, what I really wanted to say over here. So what does the parasha talk about? Parsha talks about the laws of going into Yom Kippur and the atonements and the various different things that take place. And these are very, very specific instructions. The Torah also said, the portion of Achare, the Torah also specifically says that... Um, Aaron cannot enter into the uh, Holy of Holiness unless he brings the following sacrifices. Now here we have an interesting disagreement between the commentators. Rashi, for example, holds that you can only do that on Yom Kippur. So which means, let's say the Kohen has a, a, a desire, he wants to go in, just an end there someday, he wants to go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. According to some authorities, according to some authorities, some would hold, other commentators, they say, no, this, the Pasuk doesn't stipulate right in the beginning that it's only Yom Kippur. The Torah says, so technically, if he wants to go in, he can go in anytime he wants, as long as he does goes through the process. Rashi doesn't say that. Uh, because at the end, finally, the Pasuk does talk about Yom Kippur, about the 10th day of Tishrei, talks about Yom Kippur. But the other commentary says that it's not restricted to Yom Kippur. But anyways, we go, simply it's understood like Rashi, that only on Yom Kippur one would go in. But the subject of our discussion today of the Rebbe Sicha is, there's a strange introduction which is unusual. So usually the story begins like this, Hashem speaks to Moshe, and he, or Hashem speaks to Moshe and Aaron, Say so to Aaron, say to his son. You know, God just, that's the opening of all the Torah, of all the portions, with a few changes here and there. But in our case, the Pasuk, the verse, begins with something strange, unusual. It says, God speaks to Moshe, and before it says speak, it's like an introductory verse. God speaks to Moshe, and he says, speak, before he says, speak to Aaron and your brother, don't come in. The verse starts like this. God says, speaks to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they came close to God and they died. What is this incident? This incident is referencing a story that happened earlier in the portion of Shemini. In the portion of Shemini. Over there we read that the two sons of Aaron and Nadav and Avihu, this was the culmination of the Mishkan being built after the seven days of preparation. On the eighth day, Bahiba Yom and it was a big carnival, I mean, it was a big 
fest- festival over there. Everybody was excited. Actually, it's considered to be the day which had so much positive impl- impact and a lot of crowns were given on that day. Ten crowns, to be precise. It was a very special day on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And yet the terrible tragedy took place at that time. Aaron had four sons, and two of the four sons, he has not of an avi, but two of his sons, they actually, uh, the older ones, the two older ones, not of an avi, they, they perished, they died. Now, why did they die? So it says over there, so in, in this verse, over there, Rashi gives various different uh, things why they, uh, why they died. But it looks like it was a combination of things. It wasn't one thing, it was a combination of things. Matter of fact, Rashi says over there already and before in Parshish Rashi says that God had an accounting with them already from way back because during when the Torah was given, they sort of gazed at God in a non-respectful uh, way. And, you know, so it was like a, God waited for them. Why God waited exactly for this moment, hard to know. But at this particular point, you know, sometimes I guess the measure was filled. I mean, God holds back, but then. At this point, what did they do wrong over there? So it turns out from the Pasuk and from the Rashi, everything else, it turns out they did two things wrong. Because right after we read the story that they entered, uh, that they, they died, it says God gives an instruction to Aaron that the children of Aaron, the children should not, uh, that the Kohanim are not permitted to enter the temple while intoxicated. So it seems like, so that is learned from that, why is God saying that as soon after they died? Why is God saying that? Uh, because they entered, the way they entered into the temple is because intoxicated. And just one can actually think that that was the cause of the mistake they made. Sometimes people who are really, I'm not saying this for them because they're in a higher stature and we can't figure out what they did, but I'm saying us, sometimes good people who are otherwise... Uh, good husbands, good fathers, or uh, mothers, if you want to say, if you want equality here. Sometimes they make bad mistakes, or they do stupid things when they get intoxicated. When they get, they get on that, or drugs, or other things, but they're not bad people in essence, they're very... Is the word intoxicated really referring to... What? The word intoxicated is referring to like a substance, a physical substance? Yes, yes, sure, definitely. That might have been at the celebration? Okay, well, so on the simple level, it means that, but uh, I think that uh, Manucha is hinting also, intoxication can be on a spiritual level, which means somebody is so involved in something to the level that he gets intoxicated that he loses his, his senses and he loses his just the, you know, trying to judgment to do what's right and what's wrong. But it seems like in the simple level, the verse tells you right away, and the verse certainly is talking about very literally, in the literal sense, that you're not allowed to be intoxicated. That's why the law is. You're not allowed to pray when you're intoxicated. You can't do rulings when you're intoxicated. You're not allowed to do that. And besides the point, uh, you know, which is, by the way, um, the Rebbe was very, very against people that would drink, you know, the exception occasionally would be, but, but you know, some people made it into a type of a service to become drunk and to become shikar, and they made it into a, like a whole service. And the Rebbe was very, very against it. And the Rebbe, uh, uh, especially for the young people, sometimes, you know, they, 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 they think that this is uh, a way for them to let loose and to, to, to they, they feel that they can come closer that way. They lose some of the barriers, but at the end of the day, the Rebbe said, no, you can't do that. This is not allowed. And the Rebbe was very, very strong against anybody drinking anything more. The Rebbe allowed them to take 
three or four small little shot classes, small, just that's, that was the maximum limit. The Rebbe says, if you want to be my chassid, you want to do my mifzoyim, that's, you can't drink more than that. That was the Rebbe's clear instruction. That was basically up till 40 years old. Once you're 40 years old, the Rebbe sort of left it up to your own. He figured by the time you're 40, you're not going to do too crazy things anyways. But, but it's sort of, okay, but, but that's another discussion. But I'm just saying, intoxication is not a Jewish thing. It's not something that we, uh, that we encourage at all. Only uh, maybe Purim, you know, or Simchas Torah or something, but not, uh, not on a regular basis. But in any event, it seems like what they did, they, they went into the Holy of Holies, they went into the uh, intoxicated. The other thing is, it says that they went and they offered the Katoris that God didn't command them. So it's understood that they actually entered into the Holy of Holiness, they entered and they weren't permitted. Now, it's interesting that over here, I mean, this seems to be like a few parishes later. I mean, not necessarily that it actually take later. The order of the verses are not necessarily in, in order. But over here, we say the verse begins, and it says, God says to Moshe, after the two deaths of the sons of Aaron, when they came close to God, and they died, came close to God, it's understood, they went into the Kodesh HaKodashim, and they died. So now we have another reason why they died. So it seems like it was a combination. Plus Rashi says that they, 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 they were teaching in front of their teacher Moshe. They weren't supposed to. They were disrespectful to Moshe by ruling a law in front of him. They should have deferred it to, to Moshe. So there's, other, there's more things that took place of them. But these are the two things that the Pasuk talks about. So the Pasuk talks about the fact that they, that they were intoxicated it looks like and also that they came close to Hashem but why this introduction why this introduction before the laws why don't you just tell them the laws this is the way you go in you can't just walk into the Kodesh HaKadoshim if you feel like it but you have to this is the way you have to be a Kohen Gadol and you have to be which by the way the, 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 the culmination of the most holiest uh, get together the three holiest things happens on Yom Kippur why? because Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year and the Kohen Gadol is the holiest person at least to that extent of the service and also the Kodesh HaKadosh the holiest place in the physical place so you have the Kohen Gadol going into the holiest place on the holiest day so you have the combination of the three holiest things coming together all at the same time but this is the instruction that the Pasuk is telling us over here. So why does the Torah introduce this uh, instruction by telling you that the two sons of Aaron died? So Rashi has a commentary. Yeah, you want to say something? To give an example of what you shouldn't do. Okay, so usually, okay, good. So usually, the verse just tells, doesn't give you no example. The verse just goes on and tells you the... And, and we'll see in a minute. The Rebbe comes over a very, very interesting insight over here, as usual. And, you know, on a very, very simple, basic level, sometimes we miss it when you try to look for, you know, uh, answers uh, evol- that evolve. This is a very simple, straightforward answer. But Rashi over here says that there was Rebbe Lezim and Azariah, who's a uh, uh, Tana, he was a, one of the rabbis of the Talmud, he would give it a parable. And he says like this, he says, uh, sometimes there was somebody that was sick. And he goes to a doctor. And the doctor says to him, listen, 
Don't eat cold stuff. Don't sleep in moist area where there's moisture. It's not healthy for you. Don't stay there. And uh, another doctor comes later on and tells him, no, don't eat cold food and don't sleep in a, um, in a moist area so that you don't die just like the other one dies. So he adds a threat over there. He tells him what's going to happen to you. You're going to die like the other one died. So the second one uh, was more uh, motivating, more encouraging than the first one. He prompted more because he told them, look, he told the consequence of not, of not doing that. So the same thing is, Rashi says, that it says, after the to give them the extra, the extra encouragement. Now, so, okay, so you read this Rashi. So, but Rebbe has, like, in his style, asks various different questions, you know, uh, on, on the Rashi. So, why do we have to give an example of, 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 uh, and Rebbe's questions point to you, for you to understand really what Rashi is bothered about here, what Rashi is really saying there. Why are we giving an example to make Aaron like a sick person? Why don't we talk about a healthy person and say, uh, a healthy person, don't do this, you're going to get I mean, Aaron wasn't sick. It didn't seem like Aaron was sick. Why do we give it a muscle? You know, we're saying, a doctor is saying, well, a doctor can warn. Let me ask a lot of the details. I don't want to get caught up in the details here. I just want to bring out what the Rebbe's explanation over here. So the Rebbe says that what, what really, what, what's going on over here is, it's not just that why do we have here this introduction over here, but out of the two uh, laws that were prompted by the act of the sons of Aaron, what were the two laws? One, not to go intoxicated, and two, not to just enter into the Holy of Holiness. There's like two separate things. Even if you're not intoxicated, you're not allowed to go into the Holy of Holiness, okay? So there's two separate commands, one against you. How come Rashi is bothered? How come, if God wants to prompt him or make him more... Uh, how come only by this, uh, only by this uh, particular uh, law of, of Yom Kippur, God is saying to him after they died? Why didn't he tell them after they died before he told them that they should go and intoxicate? The verse should have introduced that also. That was also prompted by the act of the sons of Aaron. So over there too, the verse should have said, don't go, don't drink uh, before you go into the temple so you don't die like they died. Why, is it, why did we wait over here only to this thing? Over so one has to conclude that there is something about this thing that a person uh, would have a hard time resisting. In other words, some, a regular command, why does God have to have this introduction over here? It's God's way of giving you Koyach, uh, giving you the energy, the, 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 the motivation to not do it. So, certain things they tell us, you know, somebody tells you, well, don't kill somebody else, all right, you know, they're not going to kill nobody because we don't do those things. So, yeah. But to tell you, uh, 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 make sure to um, reach out to somebody and help them out and just, well, that maybe you need a little bit more encouragement. Sometimes there's some very simple things and sometimes things that need more encouragement. So Rashi understood, the Rebbe says, that something in this verse meant that um, there was some sort of a need that if not for the extra encouragement, uh, maybe Aaron would, would not be able to resist, he would be tempted. 
would be something that he would be tempted to. So, therefore, Rashi explains a mushroom of a person that is sick. Because what's happening over here, the Rebbe says, usually, a sick person we're talking about is very overheated, has a fever, has a temperature. And the person, why would the person want to eat cold stuff? Why do you want to lay in a cold? He's trying to cool himself off. That's a way of cooling off their excessive heat. So they're doing it, trying to cool it off by doing that. Matter of fact, I think that's actually one of the things we do. If you have temperature, you actually put cold water on the person. But in this case, this wasn't something that they should do, but it just represents a temptation to quench some of your thirst or some of your, 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 your ailment. The Rebbe said the counterpart to it is um, as we mentioned earlier, is in the Orachayim HaKodosh, uh, goes into great details, he says that the sons of Aaron, they actually had a tremendous yearning and a tremendous desire of coming close to God. They didn't just want to go in to see what it looks like, like a museum, or just check it out. They wanted to go because they felt that they really wanted to get close to Hashem. And, you know, sometimes people want to do things that they're not supposed to, you know, if they're, you know, a Kohen is supposed to do the Duchening, and Israel is doing the, the women have their mitzvahs. But sometimes we find people want to do the other one's mitzvah. They want to they have a strong desire. They think they want to be close to Hashem because they want to do what somebody else is supposed to do. So in this... Go, 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 go. So what happens is, in this case, um, in this case, what happens is, God was saying to, to basically to, to Aaron, and, uh, to, to, to them, trying to tell them, Listen, the sick person, you may be sick of love of God. Just like a person is sick physically, you may be sick with your love. You have that excessive love. And it wasn't enough just to say, don't do it. Because, as explained, Nadav and Avihu actually wanted to, they wanted to expire. I mean, what happened to them wasn't, even though it cost them their life, but they wanted to actually become, to have, they wanted to experience that closeness. They wanted, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Did they and, really want to and, and, die, yeah. or they wanted to become close to What it meant, they, they wanted to lose their own existence, and they wanted it to be enveloped, and uh, sort of sucked up in the Shekhinah, and lose their own entity, their own Metzies. To a certain extent, yes, but it's something which they want to lose themselves, but they don't, they don't, they're not trying to build themselves, but they're trying to to satisfy their quenching their thirst versus, I'm um, guess what you're meaning, versus doing what Hashem wants you to do. You say, you know, I, this is good for me. I want to, for me, this is best. So you want yourself versus doing what Hashem wants you to do. But in any event, that's why it was a sin, actually, because they were quenching it up. Of course, I mean, they, 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 that Torah tells you not to do that. But Aaron may be tempted because Aaron may be tempted. May be tempted. So because. Aaron, that's why Rashi says a person that was sick, and that's why we understand why this had to come through all this introduction, because this is something which, uh, if not for the extra encouragement, you know, maybe this is a mitzvah that Aaron would not do, because Aaron may have had this great yearning. Now, what do we see? When you tasted so much greatness and holiness, and you're so close to it, like Aaron and none of people were so close to the Kedush HaKadosh. They just didn't get to step into it. That's, that's the place where you really say, okay, I see the truth, I see the evidence. Let me just step over. It was, they were so close. They want, and actually, because they were at such a high level, they probably wanted more. They were just right there, and they wanted even more. And that, that, that was no. You know what I mean? 
you can go up to here, but you can't go over there. And they, you know, oh. But where, this is what the Rebbe says, where do we see that Aaron had this great yearning? We see that his sons had this great yearning. But we don't find in the parsha anywhere, in the Chumash before, we don't find that Aaron was sort of uh, yearning and had this great desire. So here we're, we're, we're assuming that the Aaron has to be, he might be addicted to want to see Hashem and, uh, and we're trying to hold him back of that. But where do, we, where do we see that? So the Rebbe says, interesting, the Rebbe says, that's why Rashi brings down the name of the author of the statement. Rashi, usually Rashi's comments, he makes the comment, doesn't say who's the one that said it. In this case, Rashi says it was Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. So Rashi's trying to hint to you something, to, to teach you something about Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. What is Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah? What do we find? So we find that Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah was actually a young man. We do it in the Pesach. Everybody just uh, did the Seder. So over there we have the Seder. We start off. Rabbi Lezer says, I'm like a man of 70 years. What does it mean he was a man like 70 years? Because when they appointed him to become the leader, I mean, there was a whole incident over there. With, uh, so they made him the leader. And um, and what happened was that uh, when he became the leader, um, his wife said to him, oh, "You're a young man. You're a schnook. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to get up there? Are you going to be the head of the yeshiva or the old man over there and everything else? You're barely 18 years old, and you look like a young man. So, God, you're not in wisdom. You're not fit. You're not. You're not worthy of that title. You know, being the head of the yeshiva over there." So God made a miracle, and God had his hair turn white so that he should look more respectable, he should look more, uh, more fitting for the job. That was sort of Hashem's uh, way of agreeing that Lezben Azariah is deserving to be there. That's why God made this miracle for him, so that he should be there, so he looked like an older man at that point. Um, now, the question one asks, um, well, how, how is it, Take, that such a young man of only 18 years old, and where the rest of the people, they weren't, uh, weren't kids of the street. I mean, they were great scholars and people of, uh, of, uh, of, of great uh, accomplishments. And uh, how could, uh, could Blesman Azaria, who was an 18-year-old, okay, his face looked like that, but he had his beard looked like white. But still, it takes years and years to accumulate knowledge, experience, and other things, you know, and those of us who are a little bit older like to think we may not be smarter, but at least we've got a few more years of experience, you know, so we've seen a little bit more what's going on, but uh, but he was still, you know, 18 years old, so a kid, you know, I mean, how, did, how, did, how does he get it? But when you look at the Gemara over there, the Gemara says, why did they choose Rabbi Lesben Azaria? Is because he came from a great family, and he had like so he had a lot of sort of, he was like the midget on the backs of the giants. He comes from a big lineage of great rabbis. So something, I guess, passes through the genes as well. Not only what you learn, he was capable. So if the reason why Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah can reach such greatness was because he came from great. So greatness sort of was part of who he was. So the Rebbe says, when you see children, like the Rashi's hinting, when you see children like Nodav Aviv that have such a strong desire, that must mean they come from such a family. It must mean that Aaron himself had to have the desire. Where would his kids come up with such a yearning, wanting to go into the base of Mikdash? So the fact that we find, the Rebbe says, that his children wanted to go in, that actually points to the fact that, that Aaron himself had, that's where they got it from. And therefore, 
we need to um, we need to say that's what Rashi wants to live in Azari to show you that there's certain things that pass along not in the uh, or, or not only they acquire by themselves but it comes because of the, the family uh, you are so I think what it uh, tells us is and the Rebbe in this uh, many Sikha says as, as Menuchas hinted to in the Gemara it says that there were four great scholars who visited the Pardis the Pardis means they were similar to uh, what the sons of Aaron they went into the Kodesh Kadoshim. The Pardis means the secrets of the Torah. They went into it, but some of these secrets of the Torah are beyond human comprehension. So the Gemara says that there was four of the rabbis. Three of them were injured. The only one who came out in peace was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva went into peace and came out in peace. Was only he was the only one. The other ones, one of them became crazy. The other one. Uh, the other one actually changed his religion, <laughs> and uh, he, and one of them died. You know, so it was you know, it was it was uh, negative, negative. So why was it the Rabbi Akiva? What helped him to go in in peace and go out in peace? So the Rabbi explains because he went in in peace. What does it mean went in in peace? Because it depends what your closeness to Hashem is. If it's all about you, it's only about satisfying your own uh, needs, what you wish, what you feel is best for you. So then, you know, ultimately, you know, you, you, you can make a mistake. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't really pan out in the right way. But it's only when nichnas b'shalom, if you go in with the right idea, you go in not to satisfy your own yearnings, but you go in to be able to bring God's, presence to the world, you want to be part of the parties to appreciate and bring God's parties into the world so that the world will benefit, not for your own selfish things, I mean it's not just selfish in the words like we think selfish but the selfish meaning quenching your own uh, curiosity your own thirst, you know, but you do then then you're going in in a, in a bishalom, then you're going in a peace, then you're sure to come out bishalom and the same thing is true, we're in the days of the sefira, and we know that the sefira days are days that we're uh, um, mourning the loss of the um, great uh, students of Rabbi Akiva, mentioned Rabbi Akiva, and 24,000, they died during this period of time. It's times of mourning that we don't make weddings and other things of Simcha, we don't do in these days. And it seems like even though uh, they were all students of Rabbi Akiva, uh, and yet they had, and that means to be a student of Rabbi Akiva, you needed to be at a certain level. You couldn't, you know, Rabbi Akiva student doesn't mean that anybody can join. You needed to be at a certain level. So that means that these were great tzaddikim, actually. And perhaps because they were great tzaddikim, that's why it counted more what they did. That's why what they did even a small mistake or something counted more. But what, is, what was the point? The point of what there was, it says... Uh, that they didn't respect one another. They were great drivers, they were great students, but they didn't respect one another. So what happened is they had that little thing, what we call uh, today, I mean, if you can say the ego or whatever, they didn't get along. They weren't, they were students, but they still had themselves, and therefore they were fighting. They weren't totally subjugated. They weren't Nichnas B'Shalom like Rabbi Kiva himself did. But Rabbi Shema Bar Yechoi, the author of the Zohar, who was the... Uh, with the celebrate Mark Bomer for him, he was like uh, Rabbi Kiva, who Nicholas B'Shalom, Yosef B'Shalom. He had his only motivation was to further his rabbi's teaching and to bring it out to the world. And uh, 
the problem we have today, we have Klal uh, Yisrael, uh, you know, a lot of people are trying to do what's right, but they, they believe that their way of serving the Hashem, you know, the line, the way they understand, and the way they understand, that's the only way, and anybody who deviates from what they know is the right way, is uh, sort of... Uh, wrong. Wrong, yeah, and... Uh, and and to, to uh, you know, you have it in every group, in every Hasidus, in every stream, and every strive, everywhere there's always uh, going on this strive. And um, the uh, idea that we need to learn from Magbomer is that we have to practice humility, and we have to be tolerant and acceptable, and, and to know that's my way of thinking, but there's somebody who may think differently, and they just accept them. And um, hopefully... That's what the Rebbe really wants, because at the end of the day, a father and a Kodesh Baruch Hu and a father or a Rebbe, what they really want is that all their Hasidim, all their children should get along. There's no greater pleasure. They don't want no fights. They don't want no hatred, no uh, not giving honor one another. They want them to be together. That's the most important thing to a, to a father, to a teacher, to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Shem Yivarech Hashem God blesses us with peace. That's the once you got peace, you got everything. If you don't have peace, then you know nothing is that. That's why after all the brachas, it says, there should be peace in the land. And of course, on the physical level, it was quiet for a little bit. And today, yesterday, there was some more you know, unfortunate stories that are going on. So we'll, we'll pray for peace. We'll practice Avas Yisrael, hopefully. And Hashem will send us uh, peace uh, in Eretz Yisrael. And we should um, already merit uh, the Gula Shlema. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it at this. We'll go down. Thank you. Shikawa. Hope we learned something today. Thank you. You didn't think it was going to be a